Aljazeera podcast. Hi everyone, Malika here. Today I'm handing over the mic to our guest host, Natasha Del Toro. Enjoy. When Daniel Motong got a job in Kenya, he didn't know much about the work. Probably most of you don't know what human content moderators do or what happens to them. But he was excited for the chance to put his university degree to use in a tech hub like Nairobi. The company that hired him was headquartered in the U.S. It was called Sama. We connect large technology enterprises with these low-income women and youth through our technology platform. We have paid and trained over 4,000 workers and moved 15,000 people out of poverty. When Daniel arrived, he discovered that his job was to be a content moderator for a subcontractor with Facebook. But it was far from the glamorous image of big tech. Daniel was paid just over $2 an hour and forced to watch the worst of the internet. From violence to racism, revenge porn to child abuse. So he sued Sama and Facebook's parent company, Meta. Cases like his have sparked a movement. This month, dozens of workers formed the first African content moderators labor union. Do you here and now agree to register the content moderators union? If so, raise your hand. Are we in agreement? So as technology races forward and humans work to keep the internet safe, will efforts to keep themselves safe keep up? I'm Natasha Del Toro, in for Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. We talked to Martha Dark, the co-founder and director of an NGO called Foxglove, based in the UK. We exist to make the use of technology fair. And for the last four or so years, part of our work has been working with social media content moderators around the world. Martha was there in Nairobi on May 1st, when over 150 content moderators came together to form the first African Content Moderators Union. It was content moderators from different social media companies, so TikTok and Facebook and ChatGPT. And the day was a celebration of the work, the important work that they do in keeping the internet safe. And they decided to do something big. (laughs) They decided they'd had enough of exploitation at the hands of big tech and that there's power in numbers. And they voted to form a union to kind of organize and to campaign and to come up with strategies to fight for fairer workplaces. And the need for more protections has been rising. Facebook alone has an estimated 15,000 content moderators around the world. These behind-the-scenes workers have taken on a critical role in the world's biggest online platforms. The global content moderation solution market reached $4.9 billion in 2020, and it's expected to grow in a big way. Social media content moderators are the Internet's essential safety workers, basically. The job of a content moderator is to review pieces of content that Facebook or TikTok users upload to social media. And their job simply is to look at that content, assess it, and apply Facebook or TikTok's policies about which content can stay on the platform and which must be removed. 
This work is traumatizing because the content that these workers are reviewing day in, day out is some of the worst content imaginable. It might be beheadings, child pornography, graphic violence, hate speech and more. Material that we hope never makes it to our screens. And I think there's a common misconception that that work is perhaps done by technology or by the AI. But the true reality is that that work of keeping Facebook safe for the likes of you and me is that there are thousands of workers across the world uh, toiling away in unfair working conditions. Sometimes uh, moderators are looking for this content for up to eight hours a day. And this kind of exploitation is happening at some of the richest, most powerful, biggest social media companies on the planet. Those are the conditions that came to light in the case of Daniel Motong. He says they caused him mental health issues, including post-traumatic stress disorder. Daniel is a former content moderator who thought he was leaving his home in South Africa to go to Kenya for a job uh, in admin administration. Daniel didn't have uh, a background in tech. Daniel was a university graduate, and like many other content moderators that come from lots of different places across Africa to Kenya to work at SAMA and to moderate content at Facebook, these are, you know, skilled graduates who are hoping for better by working for an American tech firm. And how wrong they were, it turns out. He got there and he realized the horrors of the work. He realized quite how traumatizing and difficult the work was. So he began to organize over a hundred of his colleagues to form a union, which was called the Alliance. They began to organize to fight for better and Sama and Facebook sacked him. And his case is about challenging that. It alleges moderators in Kenya have been subjected to conditions including irregular pay, inadequate mental health support, union busting, and violations of their privacy and dignity. In an email to The Take, Sama said it disputes the claims made in the case, said Motong was fired for what it called, quote, actions that were not acceptable in any context, unquote, and that it intended to respect the instruction from Kenya's court to not try the case out in the media. As for Martha, she says the case goes beyond a single set of events. His case isn't just about righting the wrongs of 2019. His case calls on the Kenyan court to force Facebook and Summer for the first time to make specific changes to their Nairobi content moderation office and to put the health and safety and well-being of their workers above Facebook's profit, including things like providing proper mental health care and ending union busting. In Sama's Nairobi office, Daniel Motong would have been reviewing content from all of Southern and Eastern Africa. It's a region with hundreds of languages, dialects, and ethnicities. And events from the past have shown how inadequate moderation can have deadly consequences. In neighboring Ethiopia, when war broke out in the Tigray region, Facebook was accused of failing to take down posts that spread misinformation and incited violence. To give an example of another case that we're working on, we're supporting a man called Abraham, and his father was doxxed in an attack on Facebook. Abraham reported that post to Facebook many times, and 
Unfortunately, Abraham's father was murdered outside of his home in Ethiopia. Merag Amare Abra, a chemistry professor in Ethiopia, was on his way home from work when he was shot in the back and legs. This happened right after two Facebook posts called for his murder. One of the things that Abraham and, and the other claimants in that case is seeking, partly it's about kind of structural changes to the way that Facebook's algorithm works, but partly it's about hiring a workforce who speak the languages, who are treated well enough, and there's enough of them. Only around 20 people worked on the content on the war in Tigray, far too small a team to effectively block harmful and inciting content. They only had 55 seconds to review each video. We reached out to Meta, but they declined to comment on ongoing litigation. The company has said in the past it does not set any quotas or time pressures for moderators to evaluate content. But the lawyer for the Tigray victim's family, Mercy Mutemi, says that an overall lack of investment leaves African moderators and users vulnerable. The case my clients have made is that there's lack of investment in content moderation, especially for African countries. When you compare to other regions, we are getting the second-rate treatment. And what's the effect? Their work makes the internet a safer place. And there simply aren't enough of them, and they're treated so poorly that it's almost impossible for them to do their jobs well and safely. And that is an active choice by Facebook. After the break, what the content moderators are asking for, and what more humane content moderation could look like. Get your news in less than three minutes, three times per day, with the Al Jazeera News Updates. Just ask your home device to play the news by Al Jazeera or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. The lawsuits brought by former content moderators in Kenya are still pending in the courts. As for Sama, it describes itself as an ethical AI company. It announced in January that it was not continuing the contract with Meta. In its comments to the take, Sama said, quote, We support our workers in every way possible, including unionization. That is the point of our mission, to empower and give opportunities, unquote. It says it has lifted tens of thousands of Africans out of poverty and given Africans a seat at the AI table. If you want to give people a seat, you have to give them knowledge. My name is John Kamara. I'm the founder for Adenian Labs, which is a tech venture studio. But I'm also one of the founders of the AI Center of Excellence in Africa as well. John has led several startups in Africa. And while the local tech scene has been evolving, he says that many foreign companies haven't changed how they see African workers. If you think about the way more developed markets look at emerging markets, and the ones who have not transcended to create their own identity. You find that they look at them as quantitative human capital, less qualitative human capital. So as long as you're being looked at as just quantitative human capital, you're basically part of the production line. You're not part of the IP and the thought process, and you're not part of the you know management. If you look at a factory, just the people who come and go, they are replaceable. Even low-paying jobs in the region are highly sought after, 
In Daniel Motong's home country, South Africa, almost a third of people are unemployed. And in Kenya, where Sama operates, youth unemployment is 13%. Nearly half the country's population lives below the poverty line, and young people trying to survive are often the most vulnerable. Sama says its wages are fair and that it uses an internationally recognized method to set rates in different markets. Content moderators in Kenya get around $2 an hour, which is more than twice the country's living wage. But John says pay is only one part of running an ethical AI company. And compensation doesn't necessarily even mean money. How do we give them skills that's required to then allow the human become the contextual part of AI? So how many of them have you trained to say, okay, we're going to, you start here, we're going to turn you into an AI engineer, or you start here, we're going to turn you into a data scientist. You start here, we're going to turn you into X. So if you're not doing that, yeah, you might be creating jobs, which is fine. People need jobs, so you can't take that away, but you're not doing anything different from what anybody else. So uh, you're an outsourcing company that's creating some jobs. That's it. And John's advice also applies to the African Content Moderators Union. I think you should do what's right for you to demand what you, you, what you feel you deserve. But I, I think those organizations as well, um, unions must understand that they, they now have to start thinking about what do they need to be relevant? What are the skill sets they need? For a lot of, you know, underskilled Africans or, you know, semi-skilled people, how do we make sure that, you know, this opportunity, as it evolves, we're also evolving with it? And then maybe frame ethical AI from our perspective, how that should look like, rather than somebody else coming to tell us this is what ethical AI should be. And to do that, we have to build digital skills in AI. So these are the the things that I believe that the world or players who want to help Africa or who say, you know, we're interested in supporting Africa. But I think these are the things that you think about that, you know, how do we empower you to become a real player on the table? If we truly are interested in your success as part of, you know, a global success, For Martha Dark from Foxglove, a major success would be giving Kenyan workers equal conditions to moderators in other countries. The moderators in Kenya are paid a fraction of the pay of workers doing the same work elsewhere in the world. And the content that workers who are moderating content in the the Kenya office, they're seeing much more high percentages of brutal and awful and troubling content that has real impact on them. Between 50 to 80% of somebody's day looking at that awful content, the conditions that we see in Kenya are much worse than they are in other parts of the world and in Europe and the US, for example. Few people realize how complex and skilled moderator jobs can be, she says. The job of a moderator is often to speak multiple languages. It's to moderate content in multiple languages. It's to interpret complicated Facebook policies that change at the drop of a hat. And the pay does not reflect the complexity and skill that this job requires. Second, the impact that this job has on people's health is huge. Many of the moderators that I speak to and work with that have left 
the content moderation industry, are unable to find new work because of their post-traumatic stress disorder or because of the impact that this work's had on them otherwise. Facebook has said in the past that it requires its outsourcing partners to provide industry-leading pay, benefits, and support. And Sama told The Take, quote, we care deeply about the health and emotional well-being of our team, unquote. Its list of wellness services includes on-demand personal counseling, available 24-7, health insurance benefits, and caps for screen time set at 37.4 hours per week. But Martha believes that level of exposure to toxic content is still too high. To give you an example of where this happens in other industries, and it shows where Facebook's falling short, there are police forces around the world that have to, in the course of their work, look at child pornography or child exploitation. And those police forces have put limits on the exposure that people reviewing the material can have to that material, and it's 20 minutes. And those workers also have proper, meaningful, full-time psychiatric care. It's simply not possible to do this work safely and fairly without round-the-clock psychiatric care when it's needed, without limits on the amount of exposure to toxic content that moderators get. Facebook is falling horribly short when it comes to providing the health care and psychiatric care that's required for people to do this work in a way that doesn't cause them long-term damage. So could the solution to making moderation better be to remove humans from the process? After all, there's been a lot of talk about how artificial intelligence is taking over the workforce. Artificial intelligence could replace millions of jobs. Among the top 15 jobs were things like proofreaders, bank tellers, secretaries, and cashiers. And the head of Meta, Mark Zuckerberg, has been saying for years that he wants AI to play a larger role in moderation. This is from his testimony before U.S. Congress back in 2018. Increasingly, we are developing AI tools that can identify certain classes of bad activity um, proactively and flag it for our team at Facebook. But Martha insists that content moderation will always require a human touch. I think that Facebook would like us to believe that the AI will fix it and that the AI will be the solution. But my knowledge and experience of this work is that the AI is a long way off being ready to to do all of this content moderation, if indeed that's ever even possible. This is complicated work that requires an understanding of nuance and culture and... I query whether AI will ever be able to entirely replace the work, the vitally important work of human content moderators. I think we're a long way off. She says what's needed isn't new technology or even new laws specifically designed for social media, just respect from companies like Meta for what's already on the books and taking best practices that are already available. It could say that we will seek advice from industry experts about what the limits should be to ensure that content moderators are looking for looking at the content or material for a maximum number of hours or minutes per day. It could provide psychiatric care around the clock. It could take all sorts of measures that would limit the harm that this work does to those doing it. But it chooses not to. 
because it chooses to put its profits over the safety of its workers and, frankly, of its users. The job of the moderator is to keep the platform safe for the rest of us, to remove the content that you and I don't want to see or we don't want our children to see or our families to see. And how can the people doing that vitally important job for the safety of the internet do that work properly and well unless they are looked after? And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Miranda Lynn with Khaled Sultan, Ashish Malhotra, Sonia Bagat, Chloe K. Lee, Nagin Oliai, Amy Walters, and me, Natasha Del Toro, in for Malika Bilal. Our sound designer is Alex Roldan. Adam Abugad and Munera Aldasari are our engagement producers. Alexander Locke is our executive producer, and Nate Alvarez is our head of audio.